Welcome everyone to episode number 11 of the on- Average Ontario Angular Podcast. Some people say that number 11 is is important, like, like oh, you make a wish at like 11-11 and all that junk. Hmm. I wish that uh, Andrew would start making this interesting. <laughs> <laughs> That's your job this episode of the Interesting Fishing Fact shortly. Oh yeah. <laughs> so today's episode is about shore fishing shore fishing so this is truly for the average angler because i know for a long time we fished out of canoes and before that we fished from shore yep. most people can't afford a boat the average angler doesn't own a bass boat or have the funds to own a bass boat or even have a vehicle that will tow a bass boat or a salmon boat or any <laughs> large boat so this is for again even people who own boats may want to go shore fishing there are some things which it's better to do shore fishing than on a boat in my opinion oh 100 percent. so we're going to be going into some of the uh the benefits of shore fishing or, or some of the, the the tips to be a successful shore angler and kind of what species we would recommend you target what gear you'd want to bring uh, for different purposes and kind of where to start your process of going shore fishing so uh, I also want to mention before we get too far in the episode, we have an awesome sponsor for this week. Yeah, one of one of the biggest giveaways that we've ever had on this podcast for sure. So his hat is actually right here, which is part of the giveaway. It's Wham Baits. So Wes hooked us up, or hooked you guys up, whoever wins, with about two hundred dollars worth of gear. Two hundred bucks it's, worth of it's gear. It's a big giveaway. He brought the giveaway over uh, to my workshop a few weeks ago, and handed me this box full of plastic baits and I, I picked it up and i was like holy smokes it's it's literally full how many bags 25 bags 25 bags and we're talking like we're, we're gonna go more into this but yeah, like, yeah we're gonna talk frogs, about it. sankos everything everything i would use and again if you're a shore angler you can fish these things from shore these these are are the deal this is what you're going to be you know using and, and successful fishing with stuff just like this and if you're listening listen to this that's all the bags that, that's Jesse's version of ASMR, but fishing inspired. Yeah. But it's a, it's a huge giveaway. We'd like to thank Wes for that, but we're going to get more into that later. Yes. So our next point is going to be the interesting fishing fact, where this week it's Jesse's turn. He's going to do a, a hopefully research fishing fact. I know I have done one in the past, which wasn't, but I'll leave you to figure out which one that was. <laughs> <laughs> it's not hard. So Jesse, give us your interesting fishing, so your... Uh, what's the term here? Eh, give us your fishing fact. <laughs> All right. So this this interesting fishing fact is more of information that you may find interesting, and and it's going to kind of be a a de- not a debate, but me and Andrew are going to kind of talk about this. He has no clue what I'm going to tell him, but we're going to kind of debate a new product that's coming out. Okay. And, and I'll hear your thoughts on it. So you may have seen advertisements or branding for Mercury's new Avator 7.5e electric outboard motor okay looks pretty cool yeah if you've seen pictures of it for the last like year they've been posting little teasers here like oh the new future of electric you know motors is here and it's a slick looking motor Mm -hmm. you may think oh that's cool well what what's it all about so i did a little bit of research on it now right now currently it's not available they've had it at the boat shows this spring and a bunch Mm -hmm. of youtubers got to test it out but uh, at this moment i don't think you can actually purchase it but Mm -hmm. it's supposed to be coming out this year i assume all right. So again, for more than a year, they've had this prototype and they're talking about, oh, how good it is. But this is the research that I found. So it's called the Avatar 7.5e. Now, to be clear, they also have two other models that they say are coming out as well. And the largest of the two is actually a 14 horsepower equivalent. But the 7.5e, now you may think 7.5, that's 7.5 horsepower. That's not. It's called the 7.5e because it's 750 watts of power. So it's, it's not okay. a 7.5 horsepower. It actually has similar power to a three and a half horsepower four stroke. So that's the difference. Now this thing, it runs off a removable 48 volt, one kilowatt lithium battery. And it uses what they call, I think they made this up, but it uses transverse flux technology. <laughs> Great Scott. <laughs> now, what does that mean? No idea. It didn't explain it at all. <laughs> and if it did explain it, it went way over my head. But you, I was thinking, I was like, what's so special about this motor? Because if, you, if you've known anything about electric motors, uh, there's several brands already that have had electric motors out for years. Mm-hmm. Think of Torquedo. They've been making electric yeah. motors for years. And then E-Propulsion, they've been making them for years too. This may be the first large company that's made a, a very, you know. A, a successful motor company that's now branching into the electric. Yeah. Yeah. So say a company like Mercury, which is who's making this motor, they've been making motors forever. 
So obviously they have a lot of funding for research and development. So maybe this possibly will be a lot better. So Mercury claims that the design of this one is designed this motor to be the most efficient hydrodynamics have the best propeller for efficiency and high torque to um, maximize the battery life. So everything about this motor they claim is designed to maximize the battery life. Because we all know battery powered stuff, like, you know, like you can buy lawnmowers now and power tools, everything is cordless or battery powered. But what happens? You have to maximize the technology so that the battery actually lasts. Because if it doesn't last, what's the sense, right? Yeah. So it, we'll see. Again, like we said, they're a large company. Obviously, they have a lot of research and development. And this has been in the works for years. So maybe it's a lot better than the other ones. We won't be able to tell until people start comparing them. But what can you expect from this motor? Say you, you decide to pick one up, the Mercury Avatar 7.5e. You may wonder, how fast does it go? Now, again, this is a three and a half horsepower equivalent. So don't expect this to have like, you know, a 9.9 .9 power. Yeah. So they claim on a 13 foot boat at 100%. So you're going full throttle on this thing. It can go 100%, which is about, they, I'm guessing from the ruse, I look, looks about, 10 to 14 kilometers an hour it depends really on a lot of yeah. factors uh it can go 100 percent for five miles or one hour so full pop you're yeah. just cranking that thing you're going for one hour straight that's at 100 percent. if you know anything about batteries you'll know that if you drop down to even 80 percent the range goes significantly up yes and if you go down to 50 percent, the range is, is yes. a lot more yes so instead of going 100 percent for five miles you can actually go 34 miles at 25 percent now wow. at 25 percent you're probably only going two or three kilometers an hour so it's pretty yeah. slow so yeah. eh, you might think you know is it worth it right so specs of this motor weighs 43 pounds without a battery now the battery itself is 15 pounds and it's removable yeah a lot of the you other can carry them separate yeah so, so you I've can actually videos. Yeah, buy yeah. you know have an extra one pop it in yeah so 43 pounds without a battery that's actually five pounds more than a gas motor you can hmm. see where we're going here. We're going to kind of compare like the pros and cons of getting a gas motor or getting an electric yes. motor. Yes. Now you may say like, ah, five pounds is not a big deal. And I'd love to have a, a battery powered, you know, motor. I wouldn't have to, you know, do any maintenance. Mm -hmm. You know, you wouldn't have to buy gas. Gas is expensive. Now here's, here's the thing that like when I was get, looking to get a motor for my sports pal canoe, I actually looked at Torquedo motors and the main thing that turned me off them is they're so dang expensive. So I did a little yeah. shopping and I could buy a brand new Mercury three and a half horsepower gas for 1300 bucks. There's no pricing on this Mercury, but I kind of looked at similar motors that are the same, uh, you know, horsepower equivalent. And they're all about $4,000. Wow. So you're paying three times more for an electric motor. So I think this will be the more interesting thing for maybe a minute or two. Me and Andrew can, can kind of discuss this. So like, mm. what what would you say like, what are the pros? Like, say you do actually get this electric because, I mean, there there's a niche of people that actually want this. Yeah. What what would you say the pros are? So pros would be well, another benefit, I would say, to an electric motor is because it's not running on a gear ratio system, you can have that throttle at, at very little. So you could use, essentially, if you had a 100 horsepower equivalent electric motor, you could troll with it. You could just have it on very low power and it could spin at such a low revolution. You could troll with it. Yeah. So it it would vary on, again, the back of your sports pal. Right now you have a gas and electric motor yeah. on the back of it. It could do both. You could do both with just the one motor. Yep. So it's a lot easier. It's it's not a lot, but it is going to be easier one. for setup. And you're not having to switch and lift one motor up, drop the other one. You have your trolling motor and your main drive all in one. So yeah. that's a big plus. That, that is a plus. And I'll say one con is, like I mentioned, it costs three times as much. Now you, you may think like, you know what, I'm not buying gas, but let's be serious here. Like gas isn't that expensive compared to spending three times as much on a motor. So how much gas does a three and a half horse? Exactly. Use so they'll say on their, on their um, reviews, like, Oh, the mercury three and a half has a built-in internal gas tank, just like my, my little two and a half. Yeah. And they're like, it holds one liter of gas or one and a half liters of gas. And that will last you an hour of driving the same as the battery. Yep. But the thing is, as soon as that battery dies, if you only have one battery, because to buy a spare battery, they're, they're a lot. They're not like a few hundred bucks. They're like almost a thousand dollars. Yes. So I can buy another liter of gas for like two bucks, a buck fifty. <laughs> and I can buy a little tank of gas and fill it with, you know, maybe four or five liters and be good all day. There's no way I'll even come close to that yeah. with the electric. Once it's dead, it's dead. That being said, on a normal fishing trip in a small boat, are you going to go more than you know, 34 miles at 25%. No, if, if I was not. going to a cottage, like if I had a cottage, 
uh, or one that I would rent frequently or something like that. A lot of people have their regular destination they go to. This would be a great option because you're coming home to a place that has power. You can charge every single night. You're ready yeah. for every single day. And you're not going to run run out of it. If you have to, you fish really hardcore in the morning, come back, charge your battery during lunch, and then head back out. So, it again, it depending on what you want to do. But if you want to do interior camping like we do, it's and not you're a camping for five days, <laughs> you need to bring a lot of extra batteries. And you may say, oh, well, you can charge it with a solar panel. Believe me. You'd need a huge solar Not panel, and it would take battery. you days to charge that yeah. thing. Now, to add about that battery charger, they actually have two different chargers. You can get a regular charger, which takes about 10 to 12 hours, and then they also have a fast charger, which charges this battery in four to five hours. So like you said, you yeah. can go out fishing in the morning, come back to the dock, plug in the charger, and in four hours, it's at 100% again. Yeah. And generally speaking, like at your, your cod would be great because like there's no way you're going to use the full range of that battery no. in the day. No. If you're going places where you have to drive far, this battery is not the, the battery technology. It just isn't there yet. Yes, it, it's not sold for me. I'd say one other thing is people are like, well, the electrics don't have. There's zero maintenance on them. That that's great. It's mm-hmm. just like a lawnmower, mm-hmm. right? Like we a few years ago got an electric lawnmower, and the thing's fantastic, super powerful. It's amazing. No maintenance whatsoever. In the spring, you open the garage and you slap the battery in, and it's ready to go. You <laughs> yeah. don't have to do any maintenance on it. Yeah, but is that zero maintenance worth the cost of spending three times as much for the initial product? Because, you know, we do our own maintenance on our outboard engines. They're, they're not hard. They're not complicated. No. And again, doesn't say that nothing can go wrong with your electric either. No. Like, you hit a rock with that, you're going to need to replace a prop. You're going to yeah. need to know how to do that. You you can still bust off the skeg. You can still have, you know, electrical issues with it. You can still have issues. If you're not taking care of it, because you think no maintenance means you can trash it, you're going to have issues with whatever you buy. That being said, I feel like electric motor technology is pretty stable. Like if you bought a, a, a well-designed electric engine, mm-hmm. it realistically only has one function to spin. That's it. It's like I know they're more complicated than that, but generally speaking, it yeah. should be pretty straightforward for maintenance. Like it should be literally no maintenance as long as you're not, like you said, an idiot. Another big plus for it, and I could definitely see this being a huge selling feature, is it's quiet. Yes, and there yes. are lakes, uh, more so down in the states, but there are even are lakes around here where it might be private property all all around, and they have lake rules. Everyone in that area has agreed there's no gas power, there's no boats more than this size or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So if you have an area like that, or you just want to, you like being where it's quiet and you hear nature all the time, an electric motor would be awesome. If that's your only option, like say you lived in the middle of nowhere and there's only one lake, like in Arizona or something, and it's an electric only lake. To go fishing, you're going to have to spend more money. That's yeah. just the way it is. And so this like would be, this would be the entry level for you, yeah. and it would work great. 100%. But I I feel like with motor technology, the, the performance is there. Mm-hmm. Just how long the batteries last, it's a it's a turnoff for a lot of people. Yes. And whatever we know, like I remember like we both work with tools for a living, right? Remember NICAD batteries? Yes. NICAD batteries at the time, they were legit. They were awesome, but you know what? They didn't charge when it was cold. They didn't charge when it was hot. They didn't last long. And if you let them drop below a certain thing, they wouldn't charge. (laughs) Remember? And then lithium came out and lithium was like huge, but there's, you know, pros and cons to lithium too. I feel like the next technology that's coming out, I I feel like lithium is almost peaked as to what it can do. Yeah. I feel like the next thing that's going to come out, whatever it is. Cobalt batteries or something like that will be the game changer. As soon as they can tell me that there's going to be multiple hours yes on, a, on an outboard instead of one hour then i'm all ears but i, I thought it was interesting because yeah. it's something that maybe maybe you're listening to this and being like that's ridiculous i'd never spend four thousand dollars on a stupid little electric engine but there's probably someone that's like you know what that'd be great for it me. has its place yeah. that's the thing for us it made sense again for you and you bought yours made sense to go with gas yeah for me it made sense to go with gas someone else it might make sense to go with electric it yeah. it has its place not i'm not going to diss it i think it's really cool to have these options out there exactly. i would rather see this out there and just me personally not buy it i'm not going to get mad because they they made it or someone else is excited for it that's awesome yeah it's cool technology now if ontario banned gas motors which they wouldn't do i'd be livid then we'd have to get this but <laughs> i thought i thought that was interesting because like i and the purple beast would have to go that that, that just can't happen that's fine but <laughs> Yeah, well, it, it'll be interesting to see down the road how these motors do and, and the actual price point of them. Again, they're not going to be inexpensive. Yeah. They're going to be pretty yeah. pricey, but it'd be interesting to see. I mean, we like seeing new technology, like trolling motors even. Like you said, it's quiet. Sometimes when you're just in the canoe with the trolling motor and you're just kind of gliding along fishing, it's amazing. The same thing with these. They're quiet. 
Yeah. That's cool. But anyway, that that's the interesting fishing fact. It wasn't overly, overly interesting. But if you're interested in getting into, you know, fishing and you want to buy a little motor, an electric engine or motor might be an option for you. So you can definitely check those out. All right. I'm going to give you a number rating this time. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, we have to rate the interesting fishing fact. Be nice. <laughs> Listen, all you Jesse people. This is, this is the real deal here. Real, real deal. Remember that one <laughs> that you said you didn't prepare and I still gave you a decent mark? <laughs> okay. Yeah, because I'm really great at off-the-cuff stuff. What are you talking about? <laughs> so I would say I like that because it's it's a timely a timely topic because it's it's something new and exciting. So I would say, I don't know, B+. Plus. I'll take B that. Plus. I'll take that. It wasn't like riveting. It wasn't, you know, as fun as Squirrel Tales. It wasn't as fun as Squirrel Tales. <laughs> Speaking about that... I just want to add something about that. So I posted a little clip of that on, on to TikTok and I got all these people being like, why are you so squeamish talking about squirrel tails? What are you a bunch of hipster yuppies? I was like, I'm a hipster outdoorsman. Uh, he called me a hipster fake outdoorsman because I don't eat squirrel. And if he had listened to the podcast, he'd hear that I said I have and it was good. Yeah. So eat it yeah <laughs> but anyway we we like seeing comments like that because they're actually pretty funny and then we just block the people yeah jesse yeah. always like look at this dummy <laughs> we laugh it's great send more <laughs> <laughs> all right so now on to our main topic for the day or for for the week i guess so shore fishing what would you classify as shore fishing what comes to your or what comes to your mind when you hear the term shore fishing like fish or, or just anything like like what what version of shore fishing comes to your mind first oh, when i think of shore fishing i think of uh when you're driving through the corthas maybe and you see people just along the side of the causeway or off the docks or off bridges fishing just right from shore easy yep. peasy yeah for for me i think the first thing when i whenever i think of shore fishing it's fishing a pond because yeah. I, i'm not going to drop a boat in there you know unless it's really good then i i might try to but uh, generally i don't i don't drop a boat in a pond and but i i still want to see i'm curious to see what's in it i'll fish it once just to be like ah yes this has bluegill and i'll never fish it again <laughs> yeah when people are, are starting out in shore fishing or again if if you're just looking for extra tips there's multiple shores like we often think of like uh, a standing body of water like a pond or a lake but creeks and, and rivers you know all that is shore fishing anywhere where you're standing on land and not on a boat is now shore fishing and it doesn't always have to be like, oh, I'm, I'm going for bass. I'm, I'm trying to do what guys do in a boat, but it's from shore. You can make it your own and you can make it superior to, to fishing from a boat at times. For sure. There are definitely advantages over fishing from a boat sometimes. And there, yeah. And there are advantages to being in a boat sometimes. So yep. again, there's pros and cons to everything. So one of the first tips that people will say is like, or they'll mention when they're talking about fishing from a boat versus from shore is... I'm sure you've heard this before. It's like, oh, why are you guys in the boat? You're always fishing towards shore. Like, you have the whole lake. Why are you fishing shoreline? It's because it's a great way to target fish. That's where a lot of the structure is. All shoreline structure is on the shoreline. So boaters have easier access to an entire shoreline. But when you're fishing from shore, you have to contend with the trees that are around, private property lines, uh, like what, what can you can actually access uh, you know, drop offs like you can't fish like, off a cliff effectively, or like, at least can't land anything off a cliff. <laughs> yeah, or off a tall bridge. <laughs> yeah, so there are advantages to to a, a boat in those instances, but when you're fishing from shore, the biggest thing is to look for structure. So if you went to, and this goes for anything, like if you're fishing a, a stream or or a lake or or pond, when you're shore fishing, what are things you're looking for to cast towards? Because just like if you're in a boat, you're casting towards that dock or that pocket in the weeds or that sunken log like you're fishing individual pieces of structure so what do you look for when you're fishing from shore generally i'm looking for areas of shallow water that get deep yep. myself like i feel like there's always not always but fish are oftentimes shallow but areas that are just shallow for big vast expanses oftentimes don't hold a lot of fish if there's shallow water where fish come up to feed but then there's a drop off that goes into deep water. There's probably going to be more fish in that area because the fish can go up and feed. And then, you know, if it gets sunny, they can drop back down into the deep water or, if the, you know, birds there, they can drop back down into the deep water. So I don't want to just look for like shallow water. I want some depth. Yeah. Same thing. Like when we're fishing in the boat, we'll sometimes 
going, oh, that bay looks like awesome. And when we get up to it, we see, oh, it's six inches deep. Yeah. And we'll just leave. Like, we're not going to spend our time on it. Same thing from shore, like you said, looking for, for specific areas. I know for me, like, when I'm walking from shore, because you're going at a slower pace, I like it because I can really pick apart whatever whatever I can access, I can pick apart. You're so if I see, to. like, a fallen tree and it's like, yeah, it's shallow, but there is, like, a tree in the water. And normally I'd pass it up because, yeah, I really want to get to that spot over there. But in the meantime, I'm walking by. I'll stop. I'll take two casts at it. 100%. And sometimes I get surprised and that's where you're going to land a fish because everyone else maybe overlooked that spot. Yeah. So it also depends as well what you're fishing for. So if like this is kind of like what we were talking about would be great for bass fishing or for sunfish or, or something like that. They relate a lot to shoreline structure. But other species which are great to fish from shore are like stream trout, are carp. So think about what you're fishing for because with with carp they can they can roam around they'll have their feeding areas uh we had our carp episode we're not going to talk much about carp specifically but you're not going to be looking for carp like oh there's a sunken tree there but there's carp nearby (laughs) yeah so keeping in mind of what you're actually fishing for is going to help but thinking of again in standing water yeah like stick around structure drop-offs things like that keep an eye out wear polarized sunglasses so you can see that you are focused primarily on visual when you're shoreline fishing i find yeah you you 100 need polarized sunglasses you, you don't have electronics you're not fishing a shoal in the middle of the lake you, you're not finding that stuff you you need to see what you're casting at pretty much yeah that being said when you're fishing in a creek uh, a lot of the time you can't sometimes especially if, the, if it's been raining or whatnot the creek can get super muddy or even just stained and you can't even see perhaps that there's a log or there's a snag or there's a rock, whatever. But you can actually read the surface of the water. So becoming uh, adept at being able to read the surface of the water in a creek, in any moving water, you can see, oh, I can see by that swell there's a rock there. Mm-hmm. And fish will hold in behind that rock. And that goes for if there's trout in that stream. That goes for if, if it's closer to the lake bass will come into these creeks and, and even small creeks in the summertime bass will come in and you can you can target them why not yeah people aren't doing it <laughs> like <laughs> not a lot of the, people all the all the creeks and stuff flowing into the great lakes guys are interested in, in the, the the trout that come out of it yep. in the spring and the salmon in the fall and then after may then when most of the steelhead are gone they, these guys don't come back to the creek till yeah. late august september when the salmon are up and those summer months there's actually bass in a lot of these yeah. creeks and we've had you know, our fair share of good days catching decent bass on, on you know, light tackle, trout oh, tackle. It's yeah. fun. It's really fun. And, yeah, and they're generally to... fairly easy to catch. <laughs> yeah, like because they're, they're in there to feed. So one thing I wanted to talk about with, the sh- with shore fishing, I brought it up earlier, no trespassing. So we've, we've you know, when you're walking a creek, you're walking kilometers in a day. Or you go to, to a lake and you're trying to, like, walk the shoreline. So there are rules that are in place that you can used to your advantage so that you know you have access to different areas but there are some areas of private property where you could say well the, the law is this yeah but there's a bylaw or oh there's a private property sign like you can't fish here it's pretty obvious if there's no trespassing you can't go there <laughs> yeah don't don't do it if they, if they call the police you are trespassing on that person's property now there is a navigable waters act so if the body of water can be traversed with a canoe or with a with a boat you're allowed to walk along that water edge or in the water. If you're wading through it, you can do so. So if you wanted to walk around the whole perimeter of Lake Ontario, you could. It's it's all open. I mean, maybe not cross the border, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you can walk around that. So even when you're walking certain rivers, you can do the same thing. But when it becomes really shallow creeks, it's not a navigable water. So there actually are laws where you need to get permission to be on that farmer's property to fish that creek. Now even, again, even if you're in the water, even if you're there in the are water. exceptions, unfortunately. Yep. So, and again, I didn't know that for a long time. I thought any water is just, I can walk through it. Cause I, I did some research on this cause someone asked me and apparently I, you're probably going to get into this, that some properties, they can actually own land under the Creek. Yes. Again, if, if there's a no trespassing sign, don't, don't just give up and head home. If you, if you're, you know, really want to fish that if you're a local or something like that and you're respectful. It's a big thing is being respectful, you know, take out your garbage, don't leave anything stupid, don't be breaking things. But if you can, like, knock on the guy's door and just respectfully ask, hey, like, 
I'm just wondering, I, I see the creek there. I was wondering if I could walk by your creek or I, I saw there's a pond in, in the back, in the back 40. I was wondering if, if you wouldn't mind if I walked in and, and tried fishing that. Sometimes they'll say, yeah, no problem. Sometimes they'll be like, no, get off my property. You're like, okay, fine. And you walk away. I have a story about that though. So yeah, go ahead. I was, I was up um, searching for a new trout creek a few years ago. And again, a lot of the trout creeks that I grew up fishing with my family for literally decades, they're all posted now. You can't fish there because the neighbors that moved in, the new yes. neighbors, new houses. So that's annoying. Like creeks that I fished my whole life since I was five, I can't fish there anymore. It's all private property, unfortunately. So anyway, I'm looking for new creeks, right? And I, I found this creek on, on Google Maps and I'm just looking, but you have to, sometimes you got to drive and just check it out yourself. And sometimes you'll drive all the way up there and private property, you can't fish it. So I'm on the side of the road near this bridge and I'm just, I'm out of my car and I'm just looking at my phone, looking around and this guy pulls over and he's like, Hey, are you lost? And I was like, no, no, I'm just, I'm looking for a trout Creek. I just don't know really where to access it. And he's like, oh, this, all this, this is all my property. It's, it's no trespassing. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, I'm just looking, you know, fish for a few hours. You, you know, anywhere around here that I could fish. And then he, he, he's like, you know what? you can fish this spot and he drew me a map on a napkin <laughs> he's like park here fish down here and just don't leave any garbage you know and and don't tell anyone like don't tell your buddies i was like no problem and i went down there and i caught i had a really good day for a few <laughs> hours nice browns um and then i lost the napkin and like i didn't want to go back anyway because like yeah. you know i didn't have permission again but there are people that if you're nice like you said you ask them like mm -hmm. hey i'm just here to fish i don't litter i'm not going to break anything Yep. So a lot of these properties, they're closed because, especially in early steelhead season, yes. people are camping out, people are leaving garbage, people are breaking stuff on their property, and of course they're going to make You're it like, known. Oh, this fence is in the way of me walking by this creek. I'm going to like cut the cut the fence. The guy's trying to keep his sheep in the field. Like yeah, or or I've <laughs> seen people they'll actually like cut down trees. Yeah. Or cut down branches like this, that are in this the way. Is not your, like, you, That's against the law. You can't be cutting down and and trees and stuff like that no matter where you're fishing, unless you own that property. Yeah. You and don't be affecting that. And then cut down trees and then be shocked why the place gets closed. Yeah. So, I mean, there are, you know, you have to use common sense. So again, that's, that's kind of like a little bit of, of, uh, something that we would like it if, if we could access more areas. Yeah. I'm sure anyone listening would like, I'd love to fish areas that maybe they were open before. Like Jesse said that you fished before and can't. And unfortunately, because of a few bad eggs, it's been ruined for everyone. Yeah, unfortunately. So again, like this is just a good outlet where we can just say, hey, like you can be responsible. You can, if it says, if you're polite to the person, you might get access. You might be able to fish these areas, mm -hmm. but you have to prove yourself to be a responsible adult. <laughs> and that being said, I get a ton of people ask me like, where do you trout fish? Where do you trout fish? And like, there are a few spots that we fish and getting a trout fisherman to tell you their trout spot. It's super hard because, you know, a farmer may say, you know, I'm fine with a, the odd guy fishing, but as soon as multiple people start showing up all the time, yeah. they'll close it. Yeah. That's why trout fishermen are very closed lipped. And it is hard to find these creeks. 100%. So, you know, you, you have to put it. I I know people hate when people say this, but you got to put in the, the work. You got to put in the steps. Yep. You got to, you know, do your own research and find these creeks and then just keep them quiet to yourself or else they will get ruined. Now, now that's for, for creeks. There are a lot of areas with creeks, uh, but also with, with ponds, with small lakes and whatnot that are in um, nature areas, like parks and stuff like that. Yeah. So you can have... Uh, like a, a big one by us is like the Ganaraska Forest. is a, is a huge area in the Corthus, and uh, and just north of Port Hope and stuff like that. And and that area, there's a lot of it's all public access. They have walking trails and hiking trails. It's great just to go for a walk. And areas where there's bodies of water there, you can still fish them. They might even might even say conservation area. You have to take note now. Some conservation areas you can't, and there are regulations. There's posted signs, no fishing. But there are conservation areas where you can 100% fish it. And so that's a great area where you can walk and you can you can walk around the whole pond edge or walk around the lake and you can get access. But another thing too is if you don't have an area like that where you're, you, you have the time to drive up north and go find a spot like this, you can oftentimes go to piers or oftentimes public. Yep. Certain times it might be closed. Uh, you can go to uh, certain marinas, certain ones, that are, or public boat launches. You can fish from the shore there. Again, anywhere there's public access, even parks on the side, sometimes there's pretty good fishing out in front of these parks. Yeah. And people aren't there because, you know, they they don't want to go fishing with people playing soccer behind them. But guess what? There might be some, <laughs> like a three-pound bass sitting right on the other side of those bulrushes. Yeah, you'd be surprised. <laughs> uh, you can catch some surprisingly nice fish right in the middle of everything. 100%. And also, and I'd say provincial parks too. Although you have to pay to yes. get in, it's, you know, you bring the family and they oftentimes have an area for fishing. Yep. 
And another thing too is to make things a bit more accessible. If you get yourself a pair of waders, you can not only now more easily traverse these creeks. It's sometimes the trail will cross the creek if you're walking on the side of a creek, but you can also wade through or further into kind of a marshy area on 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 a shallow bay off a lake or something like that. You could, if you're wearing waders, you could walk right out past the bulrushes and start casting from there. Yeah. So you've just now opened up a whole lot more area that you can fish besides just, oh, I can only go where I can stand in my running shoes and not get wet. You're yeah. very limited as to what you can access. And oftentimes the there's a lot of, of shallow weeds right around the shore. So if you can walk past them or get past them slightly yep. and cast beyond that, it yeah, like you said, it opens up a lot more of the fishable range. Yeah. And again, if you're getting 10 feet further with your cast, that might be where that drop off is out there that you want to hit. Or that might... Uh, again, you're limiting your, your last 10 feet of the cast that you can't, you're going to get snagged all the weeds with your treble hooks. And now you can fish like crankbaits and get down deep. So yeah, so waders are a great option, not just for stream fishermen, but if you want to fish from shore, they're a great option for people to get a bit deep. So let's talk a bit about gear then. We always recommend a, a run-of-the-mill general shore casting rod, but we'll, we'll try and narrow it down. A lot of guys, if they're fishing for trout, it's a light action rod or medium light, mm-hmm. depending on what you're doing. It doesn't have to be too long. But generally, it's just a nice small spinning rod, medium light, I would say, yeah. would do you for anything, especially if you're getting around a bit of log jam. You can have a bit of pressure to pull out the, the little little native trout and stuff that are up there. I, I used to use a lot of ultralight rods. Yeah. But then after a few heartbreaks of actually hooking you know, some 20-inch <laughs> browns, you're oftentimes better off with a light or a medium light with slightly heavier line. I, I Actually, I've there's a couple of creeks that we'll go to. And I go there with a 6.6 medium action spinning rod because I'll drop uh, like a, an egg sinker because it's it's fast current with like big log jams. And I'll drop an egg sinker down there, like almost drop shot it, like power shot it with these little like worms and stuff like that. And I'll, I'll catch like a 10 inch brown or 12 inch brown and then like set the hook and I'll just, I'm, I'm walking out on these logs and I'll set the hook and just like lift the fish out of the water and it's like walk my way back across the log to land yeah. the thing. But again, like I couldn't do that with a, with a lighter rod. No. But if you if you had a rod like that, you can do anything with it. Shore fishing, you, you don't have to have really any super specialized gear for most things. Yep. Even if you're going for bass, you can use a regular bass setup. Mm-hmm. Again, if you're fishing from shore, I would go with something maybe a bit heavier. Uh, like we always recommend the, a, a seven foot medium heavy. If you're going for like largemouth, mm-hmm. will do you for anything. But if you're fishing shore, maybe you go a little bit lighter, maybe a medium. I, yeah, I'd say like when I worked at the fishing store. If someone can only have one fishing rod and reel for everything, it's going to be a six, six or seven foot medium power spinning rod, a fast action. Yeah. I mean like bait casting rod rods are nice, but for total versatility for casting small baits and larger baits, a medium can do it. If you're fishing more for bass and pike, I'd probably jump up to a medium heavy, Yeah. but really a medium can do everything. It's the general purpose rod. It does everything. I 100%. mean like you've caught, how many fish have you caught on mediums that are way bigger than the rating? Like, I, I've, well, for a long time, I had one one rod that was my go-to rod. I used it for everything. Yeah. It was a medium. Same with me. And Remember? I still have it. 6.6 <laughs> six medium yep. with a 2,500 Shimano on it. Yep. You can do anything with that. Yep. Now, again, I, you may not be able to flip through lily pads and, and you know, I still tried. Fingers, but, <laughs> you know, you'll, you'll quickly realize why fishermen have more than, you know, one combo. Yeah. But, so if you were fishing, let's, let's stay focused on bass for a bit then. And again, like this is shore fishing is such a broad subject, like to really narrow down a lot of like helpful tips. If you want to go shore fishing for bass, we have to do a full episode on shore fishing for bass. Yeah. But, or shore fishing for pike or for, for walleye, you can fish for almost any species. This is some of the big ones I would say would be carp, bass, pike, sunfish, and catfish. And walleye guys, like right now, like fishing around the locks or fishing like in Bay Quinty right off the shore, yeah. there, you can catch really big walleye. Yeah, night fishing for walleye. Walleye yeah. come into the shallows to feed, so they're accessible. But I would say your, your, your two fish that you're probably at an advantage to fish from shore would be carp and catfish. Oh, 100%. I'd say I would yeah. rather, I'd almost always fish those from shore rather than my boat. Although I think it would be pretty fun to catch them in a boat. <laughs> I said almost always. <laughs> but I think one of the fish too that most of the season you can have a pretty good success with is bass. Yes. Just because they're so prevalent in shallow water around the shoreline. Yeah. Sunfish are, are again, Pan super fish. easy to catch yeah. when you're in a, in a, in a, from a shore or from a boat. But it's just because they're so shallow. So yeah. if you're fishing a dock, you can drop a bobber off the edge of that dock. 
that's super busy with a bunch of boats being launched, you'll still catch sunfish. Yeah, they're, they're pretty dumb. <laughs> so if you're taking a kid fishing, something like that, sunfish is a great thing just to have something you know you're going to get bit at the end of the line. They're willing participants. <laughs> <laughs> but bass fishing is, is fantastic. So if you are going fishing for bass, we'll do a couple scenarios. Uh, let's say like a pond and then we'll say like a, a big river or or a, a, a deep like a Kortha style lake or where you have or sorry Muskoka style lake so it's like deep rocks and stuff like mm-hmm. that what would you recommend if you're bass fishing um so let's say let's start off first with like a pond so your more weedy areas what would you recommend using for your gear what gear would you bring and what lures would you use okay so one bait that I feel like if you're fishing shallow bass that anyone can catch fish on and it's versatile and you're not going to be you know snagging all the time on weeds is a texas rig yes a texas rigged plastic bait um and i know like a lot of people think oh you need heavy gear to do that you don't you just have to use specifically slightly thinner hooks than Mm -hmm. a big flipping hook for instance like you can still use texas rigs with a spinning rod if that's all you have and you can get a a still you can still get a three-aught ewg but get the finesse get the get the thin wire ones there's what some line um, hooks will be called the super line hooks or the braid hooks. And those are the thicker gauge hooks that are designed for fishing heavy cover with stiff rods and big line. Then you can get the standard hooks, which they're slightly thinner. They're not weak. You might bend them out on a heavy rod, but on a regular spinning rod or a medium heavy bait casting rod, you're fine. Yeah. Um, baits that, again, a bait that you can't not use for anything <laughs> is like a stick bait. So we're going to kind of plug our sponsor here. He Again, he's giving us, oh, well, he's not giving this us. Is, this is an amazing assortment of stuff. We didn't get anything. <laughs> if you're listening, Wes, all these baits we're giving away to one uh, fortunate winner who wins this. But it's almost like he knows by showing us all these, we're going to want to buy them yeah, ourselves. we're going to buy some. <laughs> so he has um this bait called the Wobblin and it's a five and a quarter inch it's a stick bait it's like a, a yamamoto sanko or yumdinger it's a stick bait yep this is not a, a mold that everyone else has this is a very unique mold it's actually has like a bulbous area in the middle where the hook goes in and these actually have a little bit of stretch to us remember yeah. at cancast he was showing us how far they actually well, stretch sealed we'll open that up and we'll give a bit of a stretch don't break it because I, I won't break it so if you win this one of these baits is gonna have andrew's <laughs> smell on it so this one here these are five and a quarter inch. Which is a pretty standard But size. again, like, they, they got, have a good stretch on them. Yeah, they're not Z-Man. No. But at the same time, but yeah, they have a little bit of durability there to like them. Like, there's other ones where you do this with, like, a, let's say a Yamamoto it'll, Sanko. It'll break. It, you just crumble in your hand. Yeah. <laughs> so, they have some nice stretch on these. So, they're, they're going to hold together when you're fishing, when you're fishing cover, even with this. Or there's pan fish around pecking at it. They're not going to just tear that off the hook super easy. For sure. And like, again, like we were saying, Texas rig, but also like a wacky worm stick bait, yeah. like these Wobblins, uh, wacky rigged, fish that around anything. But if the cover's slightly heavier, mm-hmm. definitely plastic worm like that one yeah. here. You What's that worm Texas called? Rig. This is called the uh, seven inch Patriot. So it's a ribbon tail worm. Put that on a three to five watt uh, worm hook Yep. with a, a bullet sinker above it, maybe like, you know, an eighth or a quarter, mm. quarter ounce, depending on how heavy the cover is. And literally just... Pitch that around logs, lily pads, docks, stumps, you anything can, like that. Don't worry about what you're casting over unless it's like in the air. But like <laughs> yeah, don't anything submerged, cast over it. Yeah. And you can just like slowly reel this thing in. And those tapered weights, they come in and they just roll off everything. You can roll like bring it right through a tree. And if you Texas rig that properly, your hook point is not exposed at all to catching anything. Like it's just is such a streamlined presentation. And it'll 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 make its way through weeds, logs, yeah. anything like that. And they're easy to fish. Fish it like it's like it's live bait. Let it sit on the bottom. Give it a little bit of twitches. Let it you know slither mm-hmm. through. Like imagine it as being a living thing. And bites are pretty. Sometimes they're subtle, but a lot of times you'll just feel tap. You know, like yeah. a tap. And sometimes you'll feel nothing, and your line just yeah. shifts <laughs> to the side. So <laughs> That's just the best. make sure those. you watch your line. And again, if I'm using Texas rig, I'm generally going to be using a bait caster, a seven foot, yep. seven three, medium heavy. But you can use a, a medium heavy spinning rod would be good as well. But you could get away again with the six six to seven foot yep. medium. I I Texas rig like ninety nine percent of the plastics that I throw. So you can actually Texas rig from the front end of of a stick bait, cast it out, and it'll still quiver. It won't be exactly the same, but it'll still like drop down. Quiver, yeah. and you can just pull it right through the weeds without getting it snagged on stuff. I think a lot of beginner anglers, they feel like you can only use stick baits wacky rig. Yeah. And like Andrew said, I rarely wacky rig them. I actually Texas rig them. Yeah. Because they're much more weedless. They come through cover better. And 
again, they don't have the same action, but the fish still love them. <laughs> I got a story about the first time I wacky rigged a stick bait. Jesse and I were fishing a, a pond, actually. We were uh, we had the canoe in there, actually, because we, we knew there was some bass and some crappie in it. So anyways, we're, we're fishing these stick baits, and he's like, I'm getting upset because I had mine wacky rigged. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, I Texas rigged mine. So I did the same. <laughs> and I'm like, how do you fish it? Just being goofy. I'm like, like this? And he just started like trolling it behind the canoe. And guess what? Nailed a bass. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It just has, a, it's a subtle action and it, it works. Who knows what it imitates? Yep. It could be anything. I, I have another quick story. I was canoeing with my wife who doesn't really fish a lot. We were fishing a weedy Kawartha Lake. And I was like, what, what, what bait do we put on? Because like really my wife she can't like you know flip a bait under a dock or beside a log it just has to be something she can cast out and reel in so i i put on a five inch sanko or like a stick bait and texas rig and i just was like here chuck that around the weeds let it sink and then you'll feel a bite and it's funny because <laughs> she doesn't fish i'm like it has to be something easy and she was literally not even casting she was just dropping it in the holes in the lily pads as i was paddling and all of a sudden she dropped it and I just saw her rod just go zoom and it went underneath the canoe. And she's like, I snagged on something. And I'm like, is the snag moving? She's like, yes. I'm like, that's a fish. <laughs> and it was a nice, it was a nice largemouth. But that just goes to show you a stick bait or a Texas rig bait. Deadly. Yeah. Yep. And from shore, you don't want to snag. Yes. So like Andrew said. I don't even like snagging from, from a boat. Whenever yeah. I'm fishing around weeds, I, I'm generally fishing weedless. But at least in a boat, you can get your yes, lure back. You if you're from shore, if you snag, you're doomed. So another thing too is if you can use a, a topwater frog imitation, so you, a cast and retrieve frog, uh, again, a good example is the lamb baits, whamphibians. These yeah. things have amazing action. If you wait and you rig this weightless and you do a constant retrieve, this like ripples across the top of the water. Yeah. It looks really good. And so I again, I would Texas rig this, weightless hook. It has enough heft you can still cast this easily on a bait caster, yep. 100% on a spinning rod. And again, this is... Again, if you're from a boat, you're fishing shoreline weeds. We're casting weedless frogs into shore, bringing them out. Well, how did the frogs get out in the water? They're going to be going back. Naturally, <laughs> frogs yeah. that are out in the water swimming back are going to, to shore. swimming back. Yeah. So you're not at a disadvantage to fish frogs the opposite direction across the same weeds. And I would say fishing a frog in a lot of lakes that are really weedy. Now, if you're listening to this and you're from like northern Ontario, this may not have the same situations. Yeah. But if you fish down here, if you're fishing in the northern states or wherever... There's lots of weeds along the shoreline. Sometimes the only thing you can cast is a topwater weedless frog. Yes. There's so much scum and cheese mats and lily pads and slop. Like there's nothing else you can cast. You have to cast something that skims atop the surface and the bass just come up out of nowhere and just explode and on it. I've seen bass come out of like what seemingly as shallow water they couldn't have fit in. Six inches sometimes. Like, yep. It's ridiculously shallow sometimes. So if you are fishing from shore... Again, as a, as a general rule of thumb, whenever you're shore fishing, be cautious of how you're stepping. Don't be stomping around your shore because, as we talked about before, those vibrations travel really, really well underwater. Yeah. It transfers instantly into the water and you'll spook fish. So if you're fishing from shore and you can like, uh, even in clear water, sometimes creek anglers, you have to actually stalk up to the river edge because they'll see you. <laughs> but again, if you're fishing like heavy cover on shore, for bass let's say don't prematurely raise your lure out of the water and take it away because i can't tell you how many times i've had a bass blow up on me when my rod is six feet long and i I just reeled up to the rod lift up and there's a bass just went for it Mm -hmm. like drag that thing onto shore if you want yeah (laughs) because they'll come right up and nail that thing and they might be waiting for that last second when they have to make that split decision of i can either attack this now or it's gone because it's too shallow and i find sometimes that itself is a deciding factor for these fish and they'll sometimes hit so make sure whenever you're shore fishing especially if you're fishing cover and you can't see what's in the water bring it right up real shallow because you might be surprised as to what's going to nail it right there and i think another tip along that lines is don't rock right up to the bank and just immediately cast far yeah make a few casts right in front of you first to the side right in front because like andrew said sometimes the fish are right there remember okay i'll make a few casts when i approach a bank i'll make a few casts just flipping it out like 10 15 feet but I'll stand like seven feet back from the water's edge just because yeah. I don't want to spook if anything's nearby. Because there's so many times, even at the cottage, I would walk along the river and you'd see bass. And as soon as you tried to get close enough to the bank, boom, they're, they're gone. gone. Yeah. But if you can cast, you know, and you're 10 feet away from the bank side and you just flip out to the water's edge, they'll hit it. And an, another thing, something. don't don't constantly just stand on the shore and cast straight out. 
sometimes turn yes. to the side and cast parallel to the bank along yes. the side of the bank because again there's lots of bass along the side i was going to say an example would be of how shallow bass can get i remember talking to a, a guy that fishes a lot of bass tournaments and he said to me about largemouth as long as their back is wet yeah. they're happy yeah so you can catch bass in six inches of water remember that time we went camping in yes. the canoe and i was yes. sick as a dog and we went out and we were casting weedless frogs onto shore pulling them into the water and bass would explode yep. on them because if we casted in the shoreline we were spooking bass yes we would you, you'd cast near the shore maybe five feet from the shore your frog would hit the water and boom a big wake. wakes this, yeah. the fish would spook so what we did is we actually casted the frogs onto the shore yeah or into bushes and then pulled them out gently and landed them in the water and let them sit and just the first twitch boom you, know, you know what we it. call that approach the natural approach. the supernatural supernatural. <laughs> supernatural it's like the frog just crawling in or yeah he cast onto the dock and then drop the bait in like a spider falling off the dock <laughs> and, and when the water's slick calm and it's early in the morning yes. sometimes you know that's the deal yeah 100 percent. and i like what you said i had I had it written down too to mention covering water when you're fishing from shore let's say you have one access point and you have like a, a 10 foot area to stand or a five foot area to stand and to cast out onto the water Start casting from left to right across the whole way. And and cast a foot away from your last cast. Foot away, foot away. And you just keep casting, moving, you know, a couple degrees every time, every cast you make, and cover that water. If you can't see structure itself that you want to pick apart, that's the only way you can do it. You just cover as much water as you can, fishing from one shore, 180 degrees to the other shore, mm-hmm. as much as you can cast. And that's how you're going to get more results because you are going to be limited in where you can fish, so wherever you have access to, pick that place apart, like every inch of that thing. Yeah. Another thing I wanted to mention, a bit of a, a story, was fishing docks. So at, at our cottage, uh, there's a small floating dock. It's about, I want to say, like six six feet by six feet. Yeah, it's not huge. It's not huge. It's on top of four, you know, big rain barrels. <laughs> and so when you stand on it, the dock will like shift and, and float around like a fair bit in the water. So what I was doing the one time I had on... Uh, a crankbait and I would stand at the back side of the floating dock to lift the front end of the dock up and then I was flipping the lure underneath the dock I was standing on and I was nailing rock bass <laughs> and again like if you if you're if you're fishing on a dock at a you know around a marina or a public boat launch and again don't be smashing against boats and flicking your bait in, into boats and getting tangled and, and being in the way but guys are taking their boats around looking for docks to cast to you're standing beside one or on one it might be docks nearby pick those apart fish it don't overlook the structure that you might be standing on to fish yeah it's true because bass and a lot of species they go right especially on pressured lakes sometimes they just tuck under those docks especially when it's really bright outside yeah they don't have again i always say people fish don't can't wear sunglasses they got to hide under something when it gets sunny. They either go deep in the weeds or they go underneath lily pads yeah. or docks. Because how many times have we gone to launch the boat? We go to the public boat launch every single time. One of us or well, the other guy is, you know, taking a leak or, uh, you know, unloading the boat. <laughs> Andrew slips <laughs> away and makes a few casts. <laughs> and now that I have the boat, then then I have to park the car just to make a few casts. So yeah. we, we take turns, whatever we're doing. Sucker. But, we'll <laughs> but we will uh, we'll always take some casts at the boat launch, mainly because we're just excited to get fishing for the day. Yeah. But more than a few times, we've caught something doing that. Yeah. And this is like a public boat launch that's oodles of people around. Mm-hmm. And we can still catch a fish there. It's not as as high-producing spot location. It's not a hot spot by any means. But, again, if you're limited in what you can access, go where you can and just have fun and, and make the best of it. And, and I'm not saying you should target boat launches, especially when they're busy. Yeah. But here's another reason why a boat launch might be good. If you fish a lake that has tournaments on it, here's <laughs> what happens. These guys and, and girls catch fish. They load their live wells up. They come back. If it's like a buddy tournament or an actual tournament, they come back to the boat launch. They weigh their bags. And where do they throw the fish back? Right at the boat launch. They, they put the fish in the water. And those fish generally are going to stick around that area for a little bit, if I, not indefinitely. <laughs> they did studies, and I think it was they don't move was it more than three kilometers from the from where they're released generally like 75 percent of the fish don't go more than a kilometer away from there where Especially they were released mouth, or something yeah, yeah. small mouth, mouth. Small mouth wander, yeah. but yeah <clears throat> which is true so like if you're fishing like i know there's one lake that we fish where oftentimes 
all the I'll see the guys dumping the bass in and that area where they fish oftentimes I catch a lot of fish right in that area and a lot of the tournament guys guys launch their boat and what do they do immediately rip away from the boat launch yeah <laughs> they go to the other side of the lake yeah <laughs> they're not fishing there have been tournaments won by people where anyone can join have a derby or whatever and guys are in the boats they rip across the lake and the guy who wins was fishing 100 feet down from the boat launch from shore yeah <laughs> like that has happened and and i don't know if you're going to cover some other lures yeah so we'll, we'll go into a bit, bit more more bait so even let's let's step away from the soft plastics then and i know there's oh, like tons we'll, of great we'll talk about more about this yeah in a yeah, bit. yeah but let's yeah hard baits where are you fishing from shore so uh, we again, already talked about weedy areas so let's say you're, you're fishing a bit more rocky area yeah so for instance baits again we're talking you don't want to get snagged yes baits that don't snag so for me a square bill crankbait 100 percent. square bill crankbaits they often call them the four by four of, of crank of lures because you may think oh it's got two treble hooks on it. it's going to snag but the way that it dives with its square lip the hooks are actually above and behind the bait so as you're reeling it in it kind of like hits over anything you can literally reel it over it's logs. designed to bump into the, yeah. the structure on the bottom so square bill yeah. crankbaits like you know they got destroy king um kvd 1.5 the classic the, cotton cordell square bill yep the big o uh, one of my favorites is the rapala bx brat i've caught a lot of fish on yeah. that one and they're great you can cast them out you i'm not saying you won't get snagged yes but they are fairly snag resistant yes um another crankbait that i would recommend is a lipless crankbait Yep. And the reason for that is they're very versatile. You can fish them at any depth. So say you're fishing a deeper area with a big drop off and you don't even know how deep it is. You can count that bait down. They sink one foot per second. Mm -hmm. So you can count it down and maybe the first cast, you let it sink 10 seconds. So it's 10 feet down. Nothing. You make a few casts at that. The next time you cast, you let it sink 15 seconds and so on until you get to the depth where the fish are biting. Yep. So that's another cooler. And then again, the the lipless cranks, they also run not the triple hooks hanging down but they almost run almost behind. vertical so again yeah. they're behind that that lip i got my old rapala that i still have my first so the second lure i ever bought is a rattlin wrap mm-hmm. like the, the blue shiner whatever it yeah. was called classic and the lip on that i fished that thing around so many rocks because again when i was growing up camping with my parents 80 percent of the fishing i did was from shore because my dad you know you're hanging around the campsite you weren't in the boat all the time and so the lip on that thing chips, is like the nose to heck is, is, is pure silver now yeah <laughs> and it, i just beating against rocks like that thing and, and that i've gotten it snagged but when i was a kid i went in i swam for it and i got it back yeah but again i i fished that thing the amount of rocks i bumped that into versus the amount of rocks i snagged was was an insane ratio like it's it doesn't snag very much for sure and another bait i would add that's good for a lot of species spinner bait Spinner baits, because of the arm that holds the blades, they're fairly weedless and woodless, <laughs> I guess you could say. You can cast them right in logs and, and bring them through. Yep. Again, they're not snag-proof, but yep. they're pretty good. Another and, another crankbait uh, or jerkbait, anything that is a floating diver. Yeah. So uh, even if it is a deep diver and you cast out and you're like, oh, you know, I'm using a seven-foot deep diver, but it's... It's only four feet deep and you bumped into a rock and you, you're pulling and oh it's it's snagged now just drop your rod tip give it slack count to 10 slowly and that bait will just slowly like float up out of that area but hopefully that, that crack in the rock yeah. and it happens a lot like yeah and and then you start retrieving again it's it's loose again you're good to go yeah so anything that that floats that can help a lot because it will hopefully work its way out of a snag exactly and, and again, if you're using, say, a suspending jerk bait or maybe a count on rapless and like that, that bait's hooped. You're not yeah. going to get it out. So <laughs> something that floats is a good option. Yeah. There are lure retrievals, which again, would might be a good option for you. They're heavy weights that you hook onto your line if you are snagged and you shoot it down into the water and it'll knock your bait loose. So they do have those. They're not 100% either. Yeah. So if, if you do that, uh, they generally have a rope on it. You can retrieve that. So you don't lose, don't lose that at least. Mm-hmm. But uh, but that is another option for you. I mean, there's it, it really depends on the spot you're fishing, what yeah. you're going to fish for. And, you know, there's so much information about shore fishing on, on YouTube and the Internet and stuff. Yeah. So really, one of the one thing that we do, like we fish a lot. We're not again, we we're not say. pros, but <laughs> when we're looking to fish somewhere, we do research ourselves. Yep. Like we're going to go on YouTube and be like, uh, how do I shore fish or like how do I fish for musky from shore in this situation? And generally there's going to be a video of something like that on there so one thing i would say is before you go shore fishing even if you know how to catch that particular fish but maybe not in that situation 
do yeah. a little bit of research and it may, you know, pay off very well. Cause like sometimes you'll go to an area and you're like, you know what? The fish, they were here a month ago, you know, <laughs> it's just too bad. You didn't come a month ago and you're like, oh, dang it. You know, yeah. sometimes you just have to do some research. The fish may be in different areas, different times of the year and so, times of the day. Yeah. And yep. So a little research or maybe hopefully you have some friends that you can ask, but if not, there's lots of information out there. hundred percent. So we want to talk again about wham baits. I thought that we could just look through his basic. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, by talk about, I mean, just like, let's just on air look at this stuff again because yeah. it's good. <laughs> okay. So we met, we met Wes at, um, at CanCast, the CanCast fishing show, which is one of Canada's largest fishing shows. And the cool thing about CanCast is they have a lot of, uh, smaller local bait makers. Yes. And uh, you know, we've come to know a lot of them, but Wes, he was just, we were talking to him a lot on Instagram before, but when we finally met him, I'm like, this guy's really nice. He is. Like he's, he's a, so nice that he put together a $200 value giveaway yeah. to give away to one of you very fortunate listeners. Like this and, guy is nice. <laughs> and we're not being paid to say this either. We actually bought his baits. And again, <laughs> he didn't give us any of these baits. So, uh, if you're watching this, Wes, uh, you know my address. <laughs> but we actually bought a few of his baits. And yeah. I'll tell you the baits that I personally bought at CanCast and why I picked them. So we were talking about, about the Wobblins. I actually picked up two packs of those. Yep. Um, again, stick baits are like every company has a stick bait. I like when I see companies that have a slightly unique variation. And the maker can explain why that is an advantage. Yes. And Wes did that. So I actually picked those up. Because like, honestly, like how many bags of stick base do you have? Because Tons. these here, what's cool about them is because they have that, that bump in the middle, uh, you can actually, you can trim this to whatever size you want. So you can cut that dead center. Now you've got two Ned rigs. Yep. Like it's, Versatile. Yeah. Or, yeah. or it's almost like a small paddle tail or, or knuckle, knuckle tail on it when you cut that. Like there's, you can modify this, cut it however you want, and now you have a different bait. You can fish a different way. Yeah, hundred percent. And the other bait that I actually bought is, he has these craw baits, and it's a it's a mold again that I haven't really seen anyone yeah. else have. Because like a lot of bait makers, you look and they all have the same molds, which is fine. Because like everyone has their own variation of colors and how they how they market it. But he has this one called a crosher. It's a craw. It's a three and a half inch bait, and it actually is it floats. It has a floating craw, so it, the craw stands up like in this defensive mm -hmm. mode. So it looks very natural to the fish. And I bought this particular color he's giving away. It's like a purple. It's called brown grape. He has very interesting colors that are pretty cool. He's yeah. like the, the colors that color shift. Yes. Very cool. Yes. But he also has a lot of very natural colors. What about that? That looks pretty so this cool. This one, this is the uh, three and a half inch called Taxman. And it's a drop shot rig or Ned rig, but it's 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 very it's pretty finesse. So I would say it's a, it's a very good drop shot rig. Yeah. This is the, the tangy melon color that looks sick and you know what i like he probably lot. called that the tax man because it's a leech yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah they, like this like one hook small hook finesse hook to the nose drop shot i love the narrow profile of that and that's gonna like undulate in the water like, really really well and and there are several packs of those yes so again there's 25 packs of baits like there is a lot of frog baits there's a lot of yep. flipping baits there's worms there's uh stick baits there's drop shot baits like if you win this <laughs> there's a rocket that's a pretty cool flipping bait right so there. i actually bought uh two packages of those because i'm a big flipper yeah um and it's a very unique mold it's a flipping bait it's going to be a good punching bait because it's very compact yes. but it's got these little flappers on the side so it's going to do a little dance <laughs> as it goes down so i'm excited to try these but yeah you know what yeah. it's and the, and the so hard not to buy baits all the time you, I feel bad because I I wanted, I saw them online like Wimphibian. I'm like, yeah, I want I want that. And I saw the videos he was posting about it when he first made them and stuff like that. And I completely forgot that Wambaits has the Wamphibian, and I didn't buy them. And I'm like, I really want those now. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot. So well, I got a bag. If you're so listening, I'll, Wes, I'll tell you what. that's gonna be my my order that I want from you. Is I'll, I'll give you one of mine. Ooh, but there we just, go. Just Good one. deal. And then the last <laughs> bait I, I want to talk about. Um, he has this bait called. It's a four and a half inch. It's called the Taker. It's a flipping bait. It's like a beaver style bait, but instead of two beaver tails on the back, or like the one split tail on the back, it has two big curly tail, like grub legs. Yes. That thing flipped is going to be sick. Yeah. But you know what? All these bait makers, again, a lot of them have the same molds. Some of them are unique. They all have their different takes on different colors that work or different, you know, ways that they make it or densities of plastic. So they're, they all, all are different. And they all catch fish. Yes. So find someone like Wes who's super passionate. Just to mention too, Wes just passed a thousand followers on Instagram. Yeah. Which is a big deal. I'll yeah. tell you, the first thousand is the hardest for sure. And you know, he's a guy that you can tell he puts his like his blood, sweat, and tears into this. 
Yeah. And again, he's he's a normal average angler. He has a full time job, and on the side, he does this, and like you and know, he makes props. he makes good baits, like hundred yeah. percent. This is a this is a good. Game you play. don't this these aren't the kind of baits like they're in professional packaging. These aren't the kind yeah. of baits where you look at and you're like, oh that's nice. Yeah. You're like I want to use like, that. It's not like oh here's some Ziploc baggies of stuff I made. You know. <laughs> yeah. And again, like we said, we partner up with sponsors for the show of companies that we ourselves purchase. We're not getting paid by Wes. He's literally donating this giveaway for our listeners, yeah. which is great. We're not getting compensated for this, which is exactly the way we like it right now yeah. because you know we're not BSing you. Yeah, we like to give give the people the people <laughs> we like to give them the opportunity to have this stuff because and that's what we're looking for uh from our sponsors is to get that engagement yeah. people that that have a love for fishing that are average anglers that want to be able to try new things and want to be able to use this stuff and the companies out here that are being able to sponsor our our giveaways are doing just that we're not getting anything extra from it right now we're just being able to give that to the winners that's what yeah. we want to do and we're hoping if even if you don't win that now you if you've never heard of of wes at wham baits check him out on instagram yeah. check out his website check out his youtube channel check his baits out and you know what if you want to support a local uh, ontario bait maker buy a few bags from him you know what when you buy something from say yamamoto no one cares yeah. When you buy a pack of baits from a, a small bait maker, they do yes. a little happy dance. Yeah. It's 100%. a good feeling. And actually, there's a good point. So from May 15th to June 15th, uh, Wes actually, he, he said, we're doing a promo with, with us. So uh, 15% off any order over $15, which you go there, you're going to buy, you know, three bags of plastic. You're already over 15 bucks or something like that. Yep. So you don't need a whole lot to be able to make use of the promo. Uh, the promo code will be announced on our Instagram. So Average Ontario Anglers on our Instagram. That's where that promo code is going to be announced. But And it will be active from May 15th to June 15th. And if you don't see it, just shoot, it, shoot us a message and we'll send it to you. As well, the winner of this giveaway of all this stuff. So again, it comes with 25 packs of assorted baits. And not just like overflow colors. Like he put his top-notch colors in here too. Yeah, legit colors you like, actually buy. Yeah. And uh, again, awesome Wham Bates hat. Uh, he also got a, I believe it's a size large shirt. Yeah, it's like a huck, or I think it's a huck. Yeah, it's, it's a really nice fishing shirt. Yeah, and, it's uh, a huck uh, sun shirt. Yeah. Which is really nice. Yeah. So all that is going to, to one person. Again, that giveaway, the winner will be announced on our Instagram. So stay tuned for that. Make sure you follow uh, and get the post notifications for the stories so that you'll be able to, uh, when the time comes, able to mention it and actually get a chance to win this awesome giveaway for sure and literally if you win this be a nice guy or girl and give one or two bags to one of your fishing buddies because <laughs> even if you fish all the time 25 packs of baits is going to last you a long time yes like 100%. this this is literally like 175 dollars worth of baits right here yeah 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 so it's it's a lot yeah that, i know i buy that on an average tuesday but that's okay <laughs> so anyway we we love working with companies like this that yes. you know they're from ontario we're from ontario they're average anglers so are they and you know they're passionate about what they do we're passionate about what we do and that's what we like to do right now so best of best of luck i guess yep. winning this uh, giveaway but if you didn't win again we have the promo code buy some stuff anyway yeah oh you're, you're gonna love this stuff so so yeah definitely check them out if you see anything you like message him get it ordered yeah and uh just some news so we'll have this new part at the end of the podcast called what's new so uh we this would, is the first i've heard of it so it's very new it's new okay <laughs> so uh we get a lot of messages actually on our instagram uh people are like oh we listen to the podcast it's great we actually just passed our five thousand downloads on uh for our podcast that's yeah. not including our youtube um, um youtube views, views on as well yeah. so we actually just passed five thousand that was with 10 episode we're really happy that it's going that well we were expecting realistically i did research on what to expect when you start a podcast yeah. how many views are you supposed to get and we're getting literally five to ten times more than that. so we're pretty <laughs> so, happy with that so we and, thank and you for thank, the support yeah, thank you for listening and yeah. and and following subscribing if you get a chance on again you're listening to a podcast now that's why you're hearing this voice and jesse's voice but you can find us everywhere for our podcast on spotify apple google. on google and, and pretty much everywhere they're all up if if you have the opportunity please we'd love to get uh, a review from you there's been a lot of reviews and if you've given us one already we yep. appreciate it if you'd like to support us please give us an honest review and, yep. and a comment and we really we and, read them and every subscribe every you can week. set up auto download all that stuff 
that just helps for other people to be able to find it. So if you're enjoying it by doing those things, that helps it get pushed so that other people can also see it and hopefully they enjoy it too. Yeah. So, so we, we really appreciate that. We appreciate you. <laughs> and again, the more um, reviews and downloads we get, the more we're able to um, get bigger giveaways coming up yeah. with bigger brands. Which our, we actually our giveaways, if anyone's been paying attention, they've been getting better. Better. And guess what? <laughs> bigger and better. They're getting better in the future too, and I'll tell you that. But that's a secret. Yeah. So <laughs> so yeah, so the more the more we can get that, the more we can pass on. So that's that's what we love. Yeah. For sure. So thank you again for listening to episode eleven of the Average Ontario Anglers podcast. I remember filming episode one. Yeah. And now we're at 11. That's it feels crazy. like a year ago. Yeah. It literally <laughs> was like last month. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Thank you very much for, for all those who's, who are supporting us by listening to us, by following, subscribing. You can check us out on our YouTube, our Instagram, everywhere. We're at Average Ontario Anglers. Definitely check out Wes from Wham Bates. He's at Wham Bates on, on Instagram, I believe. He's on YouTube as well. On YouTube as well. So and there's a link to his, his website on his Instagram. Yeah. So 100%. Check that stuff out. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.